Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you. And thank you. We praise you and thank you for working all things out uh, for our salvation and for our good. Thank you, Father, for the great blessing it is to know you and to have such an incredible hope, an eternal hope, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for uh, the way you worked in our lives individually to draw us to yourself, uh, to uh, to bring us this marvelous salvation uh, by grace through faith alone, and for making it clear to us what that gospel of grace was all about. Uh, that some would stand for truth and uh, would continue to preach and teach that truth, even though the opposition is so, so great. We would thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. We continue today uh, with our studies. It's all part of the long war against God. And I'm actually seeing pretty clearly now how we will finish up this whole series and when that will occur. It seems to me it will occur within about six weeks. We're finishing up probably next week, or if not then the following, in our following study, on uh, what I wanted to communicate regarding Paul's teaching concerning the dispensation of the grace of God. Here now for several of our sessions, we focused on the rapture, the catching up of the body of Christ, called the Blessed Hope by the Apostle. And uh, we'll be finishing that in one or two more sessions. So it's so clear. I, I believe that understanding it, however, uh, is difficult, and not because the revelation of God is not clear. It is. It's just that there are so many uh, teaching things that are not true. Some, really quite a few still, fewer and fewer, I believe, but quite a few are teaching a pre-tribulation rapture of the church, but many times they're not teaching it according to the revelation revealed. <laughs> and in fact, they're reading that pre-tribulation rapture somehow into scriptures that aren't even about that subject. Uh, scriptures in the book of Revelation, for example, are not about that subject at all. Or scriptures, uh, some of which we look at today again, which don't teach the rapture, but teach a wonderful resurrection for uh, those that died with a kingdom hope, meaning an earthly kingdom hope, as was promised to Abraham and so many after him, right? So many are teaching still the pre-tribulation rapture, but often not on the grounds established here in Scripture. And I'm, I'm hopeful that what Paul has revealed here in Romans, in First in Corinthians, in Titus, uh, and next week uh, in the Thessalonian letters, that uh, this teaching will be crystal clear to you and there will not be any confusion. That's certainly my goal. May God bless us in that study. Now, last time, we, we looked into Romans 11 and in 1 Corinthians 15 and Titus. And my purpose there was to give you kind of a high-level overview of what we'll look at today in more detail. But but I, I believe that insofar as these things need to be repeated for us to gain understanding, this repetition is really essential. 
And I've been teaching through these uh, scriptures for many, many years. And I've, I've noticed that because of the amount, the sheer magnitude of the false teaching that exists in the world today, so many confusions need to be removed from our hearts and minds. And that's just not an easy thing, right? God really has to show us through the specific word revealed exactly what his truth is, right? We cannot proceed the way we may have in the past. I mean, I'm speaking of myself. I'm not, I'm not trying to highlight your confusion, but, but of my own, it took so long really to, to enter into this teaching, even though it didn't take long for God to begin to show us these truths. He did uh, very quickly once uh, our blindness was removed. But to see what scripture actually says about the rapture and to understand that in contrast to what's revealed elsewhere, that took some time, right? It took some years, more than a few, okay? Because to see that, for me at least, I had to be teaching through these scriptures and every time being faced again and again with what's actually written and what is not actually written in these scriptures, right? So that's what uh, I'm trying to convey to you again today, which is that the clarity, the simplicity of the teaching that Paul calls the mystery, the mystery, in contrast to what prophecy had already revealed to God's people. Okay, so mystery versus prophecy, very clear distinctions between the two. And that's what I hope to communicate again today to you. We saw last time how in Romans 11, Paul makes it so clear. In Romans 11, verses 25 through 27, if we have time at the end, I'll ask Patty to reread these verses, but I'll read them now because this is the perfect starting point for our lesson today. I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And then all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Well, an in-depth study of just a couple of these verses here would take us back to the Old Testament. There are many prophecies and promises given there for those that would take God at his word regarding the coming kingdom upon this earth, a kingdom which was promised to God's people, the Jews, right? And even before the Jews, promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so forth, who were not, strictly speaking, Jews until uh, the time came, right? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the, the word Jew is, is a later later term, term. It's not found in the earlier prophecies. Okay, so <clears throat> what Paul says here is that there's a blindness on Israel. And uh, he says... Uh, he is revealing a sacred secret regarding this, right? And the sacred secret has to do with how the blindness is on the heart 
of the Jews, in part, he says, because in every generation and time, some Jews are being saved. But today, in this dispensation of grace, there's a blindness in the heart of the Jews until, he says, it's removed. When that blindness is removed, uh, it will be removed when? At, at this point, when the fullness of the Gentiles has already come in. Come into what? Come into the body of Christ, right? Then the tables turn and the focus returns to Israel, as you can see there in verses 26 and 27. Then all Israel will be saved. Israel as a nation will be saved. And he quotes from Psalm 14, Psalm 53, Isaiah 59, and Isaiah 27, okay, at that point. Okay, it says blindness has happened to Israel, right? What is that blindness regarding? This is not the same as the blindness that every sinner possesses to the truth of God. It's more than that. So Jews today are not only bound by sin and the lack of of a heart that's open to God, they're also blinded to what? To their own Messiah that Jesus is, in fact, the promised one, that he is, in fact, the one that was promised to deliver them from oppression and to give them the land of promise and to be their priest, right, Uh, basically replacing the uh, Mosaic priesthood, the Aaronic uh, priesthood, uh, Levitical priesthood, with a different kind of priesthood indeed. This is very clearly revealed in the letter to the Hebrews, by the way. We want to study that more. But the Jews are blinded. It's a Jewish kind of blindness, in other words, to the identity of their own Messiah. That's, in fact, in fact, the case. But that blindness will be removed someday. When? During the tribulation period, right? After the church, the body of Christ has already been delivered uh, from this earth into heaven's glory. After the promises given to the church, the body of Christ, have been fulfilled by us being called up into heaven's glory because we have a heavenly hope. Okay? When that is fulfilled, there will be a great, great blessing for all of us, right? Okay. But it's the blindness on the heart of Israel waits until then. So what Paul is teaching in Romans 11 is the pre-tribulational catching up or rapture of the church, which is his body. So now we're going to focus more on that. Last week, we gave you an introduction. It may have seemed very detailed, and it was. We looked at uh, 1 Corinthians 15, which is a very detailed revelation indeed concerning the resurrections and the order of those resurrections, Paul says, right? But today I want to look into it even more. But what did we see last time? When we looked into 1 Corinthians 15, the earlier chapters there, uh, especially verses 20 through 25, but but I'll just read uh, uh, verses 22 through 25. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Then the end, cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom 
to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. So that end mentioned in verse 24 means the last. In other words, it's the last resurrection, right? At that point is what's called the great throne judgment, right? When uh, all will be judged according to whose names are written in the book of life or not found written in the book of life. We, members of the body, will not be part of the great throne judgment, for we will have already found our judgment at what's called the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ that occurs at the rapture, okay? So we will not be part of that judgment called the great white throne. That's not for us at all, right? It's for Israel and the Gentiles, especially focused on uh, <clears throat> the lost, the lost. <clears throat> Of course, there will be many who were saved during the tribulation and the kingdom, and they will also be judged at that time. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but the lost, their names are not to be found there. Okay, So when it says in verse 24, then come at the end, it's talking about the second general resurrection. So there's the first one. Following Christ the first fruits, so Christ's own resurrection is the foundation of everything, right? He says in the previous verse, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, right? But every man in his own order. So Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ that is coming, that's the resurrection just before the kingdom is established. That's the resurrection at the second coming of Christ, right? Then the last resurrection at the end of the millennial kingdom, right? So those are the resurrections according to prophecy. Uh, now in Revelation chapter 20, there's much about those two resurrections. They're called there, the first and the last. Okay. Um, we are not present in that list. Really. We're not present in that list. So when it says, they that are Christ at his coming, it's actually not about us. Because our resurrection hasn't even been mentioned until Paul gets down to the sacred secret given in verses 50 through 52 of that same chapter, right? We'll look at that again in a moment here. And that will be our main focus here today. Okay, so our resurrection isn't included in that first list, right? Simply not there. In fact, if it is there, then the main focus of that resurrection just before the kingdom, which is to fulfill the promises to all those that had a kingdom hope but have since died, right? That would be missed altogether. Yeah? The purpose for the resurrection immediately before the kingdom is to fulfill the kingdom earthly hope of all those that had already died not having received the fulfillment of their hope, okay? And that means all the way from the earliest times up to, in this case, up till the end of the tribulation, because there will be many martyred there who never received their kingdom hope before they were killed, right? Okay, so that's uh, the whole meaning of that resurrection. It is for the purpose 
of those that have already died and have not yet received their kingdom hope. And to miss that is to miss, uh, I would say, very much indeed, right? Okay, so Paul eventually, though, gets down to our resurrection. Should we die first and not be alive when we hear the voice, the call, and the shout, right? If we've already died, we will be resurrected, but that's not part of prophecy. That's part of the revelation given to Paul called the mystery, right? And that's found in verses 50 and 51. And uh, I'm going to save that now till we get to it in just a moment. Let me just ask you the question, though. When Paul uses that word mystery, what does he mean by it, right? And as we've explained before, that's a special word that Paul uses to talk about what was revealed specifically to him by the risen and ascended Christ regarding what God is doing today under grace. And he says that revelation was not known in the past. It wasn't known because it wasn't revealed before. It was kept secret. It was hidden in God, even, Paul says. We've already looked at all these scriptures, right? Ephesians, Colossians, and so forth. Hidden in God. It was not known to the prophets. Therefore, they could not prophesy about it, right? And why was it unknown? Why was it kept secret? Because uh, it was for us and not for them. Now, just imagine what kind of confusion there would have been if, in fact, uh, these truths concerning grace had been revealed to those living under the law, right? What a confusion, indeed, that would have caused. Okay, so that which was kept secret was kept secret for a reason. But now, Paul says, it's revealed uses the word mystery regarding it there in 1 Corinthians 15. He also used it in Romans 11, where we just looked, right? And he uses it in Ephesians, Colossians, and elsewhere concerning this uh, precious revelation uh, given to the church, the body of Christ, through Paul. So the mystery revelation is always and must always be distinguished from prophecy. Those are key divisions in the Word of God. In fact, the Bible can be divided up, if you want to do it quite simply, into two parts. <laughs> prophecy on the one hand, mystery on the other. Okay, And when we speak of rightly dividing the Word of Truth, and when Paul writes about that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, that's what he means, right? The division between prophecy and the mystery or sacred secret. Okay, so what Paul revealed here in 1 Corinthians 15, back in verse 23, when he mentions the resurrection for those that are Christ's at his coming, he's talking about those who belong to the kingdom of hope who were waiting for their Messiah. The word Christ means the anointed one. Israel looked for According to the prophets, they looked for and hoped for their Messiah, if they were believers, right? Okay. Um, but our resurrection is not revealed until later, and it's called a mystery because it was kept secret until Paul was given the truth of it, and it was revealed through him for the sake of uh, us today. Okay. Our outline now is, and we're going to look, first of all, at the believer's hope according to prophecy. 
prophecy. And we'll see that that was glorious indeed. <laughs> Imagine the kingdom, glorious, glorious indeed, right? And then the believer's hope according to the mystery, which I think I can surely say, and you could add, was even more glorious, even more. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that will become clear as we proceed today, I think. So first of all, what was the believer's hope according to prophecy? You know, uh, if we're saying there's a difference between what was revealed by the prophets and what was revealed to Paul for the church, the body of Christ, we need to know what was revealed to the prophets. If you don't know what was revealed to the prophets, how can you see the differences, right? And I think that's a major problem so many have today. They really don't know uh, the Old Testament. They really don't know Christ's uh, earthly ministry teachings. They have not considered it because they thought the church was right in the middle of all of that when it wasn't, right? So if we do not understand what God had promised <clears throat> uh, for the Jews someday, then we can't distinguish what we have today, right? So if we do not know the working of God according to the prophecy, we cannot know the working of God according to grace properly. We'll be inevitably confusing the two. And that's exactly what uh, so many are are left with, because teachers do not rightly divide the word of truth in most cases. We praise the Lord for many who have over the over the years, and many who do still today. It's not just a few, right? But um, it is not uh, the majority. That is certainly true. Okay, so <clears throat> let's consider the believer's hope according to prophecy, okay? I wish I could do this really quickly, but it can't be quite as quickly as I'd like because there's so much there. Oh, the Bible is very long, <laughs> isn't it? <clears throat> the part of the Bible that's directed to the church, the body of Christ, is very short compared to what's revealed concerning God's promises for Israel and and for the Gentiles, okay? Because the kingdom will, of course, be a time when Israel is used to get the message of the Messiah out to the Gentile nations, right? That's uh, what's going to be happening during the course of those 1,000 years, okay? So Israel and the Gentiles, but Israel will be at the top, <clears throat> Okay, <clears throat> Israel will be the dominant nation in the world. Jerusalem will be the capital of the world. I think the place to go in order to begin to see these things clearly is, is to look at Revelation chapter 20. And I'm just going to look at two verses there in Revelation 20. So if you'd turn with me there to Revelation 20, near the end of the Bible, what does it say about resurrection? And what's involved in that, he says in verse 5, Revelation 20, the Apostle John, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. He's just in a couple of verses earlier mentioned um, that there will be a resurrection before the 1,000 years. Okay, 
but the rest live not until the end of the thousand years. Okay, and that's a parenthetical comment. So he says this is the first resurrection. The ones that are resurrected before the thousand years, as he's mentioned in verses two and three, and then he says, "Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection." On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, or of Messiah, the Anointed One, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Who's going to reign with Christ? Those who were resurrected just before the kingdom is established. Those resurrected at the second coming of Christ, right? And who are they? They're the saints who died with the kingdom hope. They will finally receive their promised blessings, right? And part of the blessing is that they're going to be priests of God and they're going to reign with him a thousand years. And the beneficiaries of all this will be other Jews who are still unsaved and in their natural bodies and Gentiles. I'm sure a great, great uh, host, a great the number of Gentiles will be saved in the tribulation period, right? Through Israel's ministry, right? In fact, if you're a Gentile living in the kingdom and you want to know about God, you're going to have to find a Jew and attach yourself to that Jew so that Jew can teach you concerning his Messiah, right? The Christ of God, who will be ruling with a rod of iron. Uh, today, there's little uh, appreciation for this. <laughs> Most today think the kingdom is for grace, right? Well, the kingdom is for a rule of law that is absolute and very harsh indeed, much harsher than Moses' law. And Christ is going to rule with a rod, therefore, of iron during that time. doesn't mean the gospel uh, that's preached at that time, the gospel of the kingdom won't be preached. It will be. Uh, and many will believe and be saved. Okay, so that's Revelation chapter 20, verses 5 and 6. That's um, all about reigning with Christ uh, during that 1,000-year millennial kingdom, and those that will be so reigning will also be priests of God, and they will be the ones who have been resurrected, it says there, right, uh, at the second coming, just at the very beginning of that 1,000-year period. Okay, so that's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so forth and so on, right, who died with the kingdom hope, but who had never received that kingdom hope. Okay, now what else is true uh, of that time when God fulfills those promises that had been made through prophecy down through the years? Not only would they be a kingdom of priests, as it mentions here, and also in the Old Testament, by the way, by Moses, he mentions that too. Satan, during that entire 1,000-year period, will be bound in the bottomless pit, along with all of his angels, right? <clears throat> so they're not going to be interfering with anything for nearly a 1,000 years. It's only at the end of that period when Satan will be released and he and his emissaries will cause great confusion and destruction on the earth at the very end of the millennial period, okay? Uh, but for most of that 1,000 years, Satan is bound. He's not involved 
uh, quite a different situation indeed we're in today, right? Um, also, during that time, as I already mentioned, Israel will be exalted over the Gentiles. Jerusalem will will be uh, situated here, rebuilt with, with, with by the hand of God, right? Uh, it will descend out of heaven upon the earth and will uh, be an incredible city indeed, not like anything that has ever existed here on this earth before, right? Uh, it will be the capital of the world, okay? The 12 apostles will sit on 12 thrones together with Christ, ruling over that kingdom. The Holy Spirit will come upon all at the beginning of that 1,000-year period, and there will be universal healing, even of the blind, the deaf, and the lame, right? That's also clearly revealed, especially in Christ's earthly ministry. Uh, and there was a foreshadowing of that with all the miracles that happened then, right? There will be no unbelievers at all in the kingdom at its beginning. So when uh, Christ has already removed uh, at the end of the tribulation period all unbelievers, then only the believers are left in natural bodies, and they will go into the kingdom at that time in their natural bodies and will live together with all those that have been resurrected uh, into their kingdom hope. Okay, It'll be a communal society, and every need will be met. And I think rather most importantly, because uh, this is uh, uh, what we need to look at now, is exactly what Paul means uh, there in verses uh, 50 through 52 in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, And that's that children, when the kingdom is established, children uh, will be born to those who came into the kingdom still in their natural bodies. Right. And there will be many. All those that endure to the end uh, in the tribulation period will go straight into the kingdom with their natural bodies. That's what Christ taught in his earthly ministry. Children will be born to them. And uh, that will go on for many generations until at the end of the kingdom, there's a great number of what? Sinners, unsaved sinners for Satan to entice and uh, lead astray at the end of that 1,000-year period. It'll finally end with uh, the great battle, right? And then uh, the final resurrection and judgment, the great white throne judgment. Okay, this is all very critical for us to understand. Now, all of that's revealed in prophecy, what I've called prophecy, and what the Bible reveals in prophecy, right? Um, and... Um, you know, it, it's just very, very, very clear. Uh, Matthew 25 is a place to look. We don't have time to go there today, but I'll just read one verse from Matthew 25, uh, verse 34. This is now about that situation where at the end of the tribulation period, uh, there will be a judgment, right, at the second coming. And it says in verse 34, then shall the king say, on his right hand, come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Okay? Finally, the kingdom hope will be realized. Okay? Um, now, 
you might say, well, <clears throat> much of what had been promised to Israel was was given already to them. Well, that is not the case. Okay. Yes, they were given a, a land and many other things, a priesthood and so forth, but it was not uh, given to them permanently as a possession. Eventually, the Gentiles overran it and expelled them from the land. And according to Hebrews, and we're going to read there now, uh, they did not uh, receive those promises, but rather died in faith believing. So, Linda, would you please read for us? Uh, in Hebrews 11, verses 13 through 17. Kings all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. But they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Thank you, Linda. And Lisa, would you please read further on there in Hebrews chapter 11, where again it said they had not actually received those promises, and they died in faith believing. Hebrews 11, verses 39 and 40. Uh, yes. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they, that they without us should not be made perfect. Thank you, Lisa. So, so God had a plan in not giving them the fulfillment of the promises, and he was reserving it for another time, a future time, that they, apart from us, would not have received such great blessing, okay? And so, as I, as I said, we have re even greater blessings than they. It's, it, it's sort of proven just by that verse there, Hebrews 11, verse 40. Okay. Now we know why, then, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so forth, that died outside of the land, that would certainly include Jacob and his 12 sons and so forth, and then later Moses. And, you know, all those that died outside of the land, right, outside of the promised land, asked for their bones to be carried into the land and buried there. Okay. And they were. And I could give you a whole list of the verses that prove that if we had the time. You can look at the handout online if you want and study that on your own. There, there are six or seven verses you have to look at to see it. But their bones were carried from Egypt, for example, right, back into the promised land and buried there. Why? Because they were expecting a resurrection in the land that had been promised, right? In other words, that land promise was a reality to them by faith, and they died in that faith. That's what that's all about. Okay. Okay, so the kingdom hope is going to be fulfilled uh, someday, uh, but has not been yet. So the believer's hope, according to prophecy, was glorious indeed. Now, what about the believer's hope according 
to the mystery. <laughs> it's even more glorious. Uh, we're going to be dealing with, with this again next week, so I don't feel too badly that we haven't had more time to look at it today. I want you, wanted you to see very clearly what the Jews had hoped for, right, in order to see the differences with what we hope for today. I give you a list of what the Jews hoped for, right? What the kingdom was really going to be, you know, and what it would bring into into reality on this earth. Essentially, none of those promises given to Israel were given to us Gentiles. They were all part of the part of the covenants and the promises given to Israel. And Paul makes it very clear those were for Israel. They are not for us members of the body of Christ. Now, uh, Ted, would you read these critical verses here that I want us to look at now and as we close today in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 52, first of all, and then Roy, right after that, 53 to 54. Go ahead, Ted. <clears throat> now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, for God neither doth corrupt I'm sorry, let me switch over to my computer. It's hard for me to see it. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Thank you, Ted. And Roy, please continue with those next two verses, verses 53 and 54. Verses 53 and 54. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to the past, saying, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. Thank you, Roy. Okay, those four verses, or five verses, reveal what this sacred secret is. But you've got to read it very carefully in order to understand what he's talking about here. Otherwise, you miss it altogether. And if you miss it all together, you will not be able to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, okay? The two will not fit, okay? Okay, so basically what Paul is giving here is the essence of the argument for the pre-tribulation rapture. And it's a wonderful, wonderful revelation indeed, so let's consider it here for a moment. He mentions flesh and blood. He says, flesh and blood shall not, cannot, in fact, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You know, that's not true for the Jews with the kingdom of hope. The kingdom of hope says you absolutely can inherit the kingdom. If you're alive when at the second coming, you are going straight into the millennial kingdom because that was your hope. You had an earthly hope. Okay? The hope for the kingdom is an earthly hope, to live in that uh, that world that Christ will establish at that time. And you'll go right in there with natural bodies. If you didn't 
there would be no unbelievers ever in the millennial kingdom. There would be no opportunity for Satan at the end of the kingdom to lead vast numbers astray because everybody would be saved and protected by God, okay? There would be no unbelievers then at the great white throne judgment, uh, at least not from the millennial kingdom, right? So that's that's just the fact of it. So Paul says flesh and blood. This is true for the saints of the body of Christ today living under grace. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, not the kingdom that was promised to you and to me. Not flesh and blood. We've got to be transformed or resurrected to receive that promised hope. It is truly heavenly. That's what he means when he says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Not true for Israel, but true for us. Okay? Uh, then he says that how this is going to happen Um uh, after he mentions corruption and incorruption, I'm skipping over that for now, but he says, I'm showing you a mystery or I'm telling you a sacred secret. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. All? Well, for Israel, it wasn't all, you see, because if you endured to the end in the tribulation period, you would enter the kingdom. You would have your hope without resurrection having occurred first and without this transformation having occurred first. Transformed or resurrected bodies do not produce children. Okay, that's just the fact of it. <laughs> okay, so this is true, again, only for us. We shall not all sleep. In other words, you don't have to die in order to receive a resurrection body. If you're alive when the call and the shout comes forth from heaven, you'll be caught up into <clears throat> meet Christ in the air. And at that time, be given a resurrection body, even though you were alive when the call came, okay? And you'll be meeting up together with those saints who had previously died, who were members of the body, who will receive, of course, the resurrection, right? That's what it's saying here. Okay, now, he also says, uh <clears throat> He, just to clarify it, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we, who are still living, shall be changed as well. Okay? All is the key word there. That's what the sacred secret is. So this resurrection revealed here is not at all the same as the ones mentioned earlier in the chapter. Totally different, and for a totally different purpose. This resurrection is not to fulfill the promises made to Israel. This is to fulfill the heavenly promises made to the church, the body of Christ. And it's only when we are removed from this earth that God will then refocus on Israel. Therefore, the rapture is pre-tribulational, okay? That's the heart of the teaching here. I hope and pray this is crystal clear in your hearts and minds now. But you see how important it is to understand what the exact content of the mystery here is that Paul is revealing. To see that, you have to go very slowly, look at the words carefully, consider their meaning, and the contrast with what prophecy had said 
regarding the Jews, right? So this is critical for us to understand. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced that those that give up the teaching of the pre-tribulational rapture enter into terrible confusion. There are many in the churches today who once believed that the rapture or calling for the church into heaven's glory is uh, before the tribulation. They understood it to a degree, but they've given it up, right? Why? In order to build bigger uh, megachurches or or uh, because uh, they've taken scriptures for themselves that only apply to Israel, right? And that's what's led to incredible confusion. Rightly dividing the word of truth is so, so important. Patty, just to conclude here, read for us again Romans 11, which I think is a great summary of the whole thing. Romans 11, 25 through 27 shows the difference between our hope and theirs. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Amen and amen. We're not under Israel's covenants uh, and promises. We have a totally separate revelation. So the believer's hope according to prophecy was glorious indeed, but the believer's hope according to the mystery is even more glorious. Amen. Um, I hope this is crystal clear. If it's not, then please send me emails or something. We need to uh, have more discussions, okay? Um, really, not understanding this leads to gross confusion because the rule of grace will be confused inevitably then with the rule of the law. And uh, yeah, the consequences of that for practical living are very, very great. But we have a blessed hope. It's the next thing on our horizon, okay? Uh, we will never be delivered unto wrath, as we'll see next week when we look into the Thessalonian letter, letters. Israel will, and so will the Jews, okay? But we will not. But rather, it is a blessed hope that we await. And uh, we need to anticipate that each moment of each day. Amen? And amen. Any uh, comments before we... Uh, Close today. Uh, Jim, I was just going to say that it was so helpful to me to, to hear you explain 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 23, how you explain that they that are Christ at his coming, that, 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 those are, um, that that is referring to prophecy. That that yeah. was always a very confusing thing to me. I never knew that, that if that was us or someone else, and I can clearly see uh, through your teaching um, that that's for prophecy now, or, or according to prophecy. That was so helpful. It's critical to understand, and I'm so glad you do. That's such a wonderful thing to me, personally, because uh, one of my greatest motivations in teaching the Word of God is that these distinctions will be uh, understood clearly, you know. Any other comments? 
Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you again for gathering us today. And what a blessing it is to know the word rightly divided, that we have a hope indeed. It is not an earthly hope, though. It is a heavenly one. And the Father, uh, there's so much left uh, to be fulfilled regarding the many promises made to Israel over the years in prophecy. So much yet to be fulfilled. But the critical part of it uh, that had to be uh, fulfilled first before the rest could be is, of course, that Israel's Messiah, who is, in fact, our Lord Jesus Christ, had to come first uh, there would be a first coming uh, and uh, then a second later. And that first coming would be the one where he would offer himself for the sins of the world, paying the full penalty for them. The Jews never understood this, never had this clearly in mind. But, Father, thank you so much for revealing it to us. And the whole gospel, therefore, that we have believed is so critically based upon that finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, thank you so much. We can be saved from sin and its domination, uh, its power, and uh, eventually its presence, if only we would believe, taking you at your word concerning our precious Savior. Uh, Father, thank you that you've gathered us this morning to consider these precious truths, and may we continue to grow in our knowledge of them as we open the word day by day. Uh, Father, enable us to rest in your grace, therefore, to not be caught up in the affairs of this world, uh, and to simply wait on you, listening, 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 for the shout and the call and the voice of the archangel. (laughs) That's our hope, Father, and uh, may we redeem the time as we do that, And may those that love his appearing hear that voice and be caught up and, of course, receive that special blessing, which you've promised to those that do so, the crown of righteousness. Father, we look forward to that. And thank you in Christ's name. Amen.